Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. Before we turn to our scripture reading, let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks that your word is a living word. So pour out your spirits on the words that we are about to read so that they may become alive yet again. And so that after we have heard your word, we may leave this place prepared to live your word, this day and in all the days to come. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. So listen now to what the Spirit is saying to her church this day. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It seems to me that if you really want to know a person, or if you want to know a person's family, all you need to do is watch how their Thanksgiving day unfolds. Thanksgiving reveals so much about people, doesn't it? Personalities show up in the way people prepare their parts of the feast. Some mapping out a calendar and starting days in advance. Others not going to the grocery store until Wednesday night or maybe Thursday morning. Boundaries get revealed in what is considered acceptable conversation for the dinner table. Is there any such thing as off-limits when it comes to conversation, or is it all fair game? And then there are lots of seemingly insignificant details that come along with Thanksgiving, but they reveal parts of people's personality nonetheless, like what is the mealtime, lunch or dinner, turkey trot or not, for that matter, turkey or not. And how about marshmallows on sweet potatoes? 
I'd love to meet the person who ran the ad campaign to brainwash, brainwash us all into thinking that putting marshmallows on sweet potatoes is not only normal, but desirable. And then there are people who use Thanksgiving as an opportunity to show off Christmas decoration. But some people do give Thanksgiving its moment in the sun and then respectfully wait to begin Christmas until Friday. And then there are things like, is there a kid's table or do the kids get permission to sit at the same table as the adults? All of these details reveal so much about people. And then there's the leftovers. What happens to the leftovers? Honestly, how someone treats leftovers might tell you all you need to know about them because people are not apathetic when it comes to leftovers. There are people who live for the Thanksgiving leftovers. Sometimes the leftovers are more important than the actual Thanksgiving meal. People who will plan out their following meals, cooking fresh bread to accompany the leftovers. And then there are the people who won't touch the leftovers because there's just no way those leftovers could be as good as the freshly cooked food. And then I think there's maybe a middle category of people who pretend to like leftovers, but they don't ever touch them. They package everything up, and then they exile the leftovers to a sad life of neglect in the back of their fridge until somebody takes pity on them and cleans them out. But I don't think people are apathetic when it comes to leftovers. If you ask someone if they like leftovers, no one's going to say, well, I don't know, I'm unsure. If you ask someone how they feel about leftovers, they will have an answer. The mixed opinions on leftovers aren't only reserved for food. It seems to me that the differing opinions on what to do with leftovers, historical leftovers in particular, is part of our national predicament these days. Because when it comes to what's left over from our country's early days, there are people who want to work with the leftovers and others who would prefer to toss them out completely. We don't have to look any further than Thanksgiving to see the complexity of our national leftovers. What we know and just celebrated as Thanksgiving is far removed from that first Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving was not the first Thursday of November. There probably wasn't turkey on the table. There was definitely not football. No big shopping come Friday morning. Our Thanksgiving celebrations are far removed from that first Thanksgiving. And I am no historian, but I do know that the details of that first Thanksgiving are easily debated among historians. And while the history is certainly more complicated than what I was taught as a child, and atrocities involving both Native Americans and African slaves are not adequately depicted in early accounts of the first Thanksgiving, I do think it would be unfortunate if we decided to discard all the leftovers from that first Thanksgiving simply because it is too complicated to sift through our history. It would be unfortunate to exile them to the back of our national refrigerator because the mythic tale of that first Thanksgiving has given us some leftovers worth tending to, no matter how complicated our history. 
William Bradford of Plymouth Plantation gives us the story of the first Thanksgiving, the template for what we celebrate. You can read for yourself Bradford's account of the pilgrim's journey from old to New England as he shares stories of disease and death and resource scarcity, uncertain relationships with indigenous peoples, and internal politics among the pilgrims that tax their community. As one novelist points out, Bradford's narrative may well be regarded as America's very first immigration narrative. Part of the power of Bradford's account is that it's written in biblical proportion. And while Thanksgiving is not a biblical holiday, the leftovers from that first Thanksgiving are indeed rooted in faith and I think are timely for us. If you read William Bradford's account of the first Thanksgiving, you'll come across a letter he includes from a man named John Robinson, who was a Puritan leader, and for one reason or another, it's not written down, he wasn't able to make the trek to the New World with the pilgrims. So, he wrote them a letter of encouragement, advice on the kind of community they should strive to create in this New World, he urged them to establish a community that in its character exudes thanksgiving for the grace of God that will surely watch over them. What I love about his letter is that he may as well have been writing to us, the Church of 2023, with advice for how to live as grateful people in a world that will tempt and test your gratitude. And so I want to offer you this morning three tidbits from his letter, which I think are leftovers worth tending to. You can consider these words of wisdom, the leftover turkey, stuffing, and mashed potatoes. Leftovers worth keeping, I think. So here we go. First, he warns that watchfulness must be had, that we neither at all in ourselves do give, no, nor easily take offense being given by others. In other words, conflict is unavoidable. He knew the pilgrims would have disagreements about who they should be and what they should do in this new society, but, he said, you must have brotherly forbearance. Surely he was remembering Paul's words to the Romans when he says that a failure to exercise grace with others is an affront to the grace God first extends to us. No community stands a chance if the instinct is to treat others as enemies, attacking every difference or assuming the worst in the other side. Forbearance is one very clear way that people can be marked as grateful to God. Sounds a lot like bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, Forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Next, Robinson says to his friends that with your common employments, you join common affections, truly bent upon the general good. In other words, you can't go it alone on this harrowing journey. A grateful society acknowledges that, and it responds to God's good gifts with equal dedication to the needs of others. 
A grateful society is one in which everyone seeks to pass their blessings onward, together working toward the common good. Sounds like clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And finally, Robinson warns them to let your wisdom and godliness appear, not only in choosing such persons as do entirely love and will promote the common good, but also in yielding unto them all due honor and obedience. In other words, if a civil community is to live into a commitment to the common good, reflecting gratitude to God for all good gifts, then leaders need to reflect these priorities because political leadership without moral integrity leads a people perfectly nowhere. Sounds like, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Robinson's advice seems oddly similar to Paul's advice to the Colossians, doesn't it? But here's the thing, the Puritan ethic is inherently biblical. To be clothed in love, living with compassion, kindness, forbearance, and love as a way to show thanksgiving for the grace that God has already given to us. You know, there is much talk of America being a Christian nation and American exceptionalism these days, most of which I find to be overly simplistic and extremely problematic. Many of you have spent the last weeks diving into this very topic in Sunday school, and I'm sure you have much wisdom to add. In our national discourse, I hear lots of talk which would suggest that religion and morals aren't necessarily wed to each other. I hear desire to claim a religious identity, but I have yet to hear these national leftovers mentioned, which is a shame because I think they have a lot to add to the conversation. As one professor, James Calvin Davis, whose thoughts about this have influenced my own, says, if we are to follow the Thanksgiving template of our pilgrim ancestors, our act of thanksgiving must take the form of a commitment to be a moral community, to live with one another in the grace that God first extended to us, and not just our fellow citizens, but to the strangers in our midst and our neighbors around the world. Anyone who tempts us to redefine our social responsibilities as anything short of this kind of grace lived in the world lived for the common good, stands in violation of both biblical principle and our national heritage. Robinson knew that actions and character reinforce one another. So acting in grateful and gracious ways allows character to be defined by gratitude. That is what he was advising the pilgrims because he knew that gratitude for God's grace inspires our grace with one another. Gratitude for divine generosity inspires our generosity towards the least of those in our midst. 
Gratitude for God's unconditional love inspires our embrace of the unwelcomed. Gratitude for God's reconciliation inspires us to include the alien and the outcast and the stranger. You see, gratitude to God, when authentic, becomes the very character of a people. I think those commitments are leftovers worth claiming. So may we heed the wisdom of Paul and the pilgrims, living as grateful people even and especially when things are not going well, and trusting that if we do that, gratitude will come to define our character as well. Wouldn't that be something to be thankful for? Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always. Always. Amen.